Vic Garcia here with Jacob Cooperman, and you are listening to the initial No Contest podcast. We're in the aftermath of UFC 297. There's a lot of things going on. Jacob, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. That, that card almost felt like a fever dream. I don't know if it's because of everything that's going on in my life right now personally, but I remember I told you this right before we started recording. I woke up at 1.30, and I expected the fight to be over because I literally checked Google. I was like, oh, okay, I want to see who what. And I refreshed the stream, and it was literally 30 seconds left in round number five. Also, the, the fight itself, you know, I caught half of it, or I caught a little bit of it. I know there's, it was a very, very hotly contested decision. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, I'm doing good. I'm ready to, to talk some fighting. We've, we've tried shows like this before, but I feel like this one will be the one to stick. Look, we, we've we've had a few we've had some tryouts, man. But this is this is the one that's going to stay, like you're saying right now. And last night's card was a fever dream. You're young, I, you have no excuse. But for me, I'm I'm older. I it, it went on way too late. Uh, I'm out here Central Time, so it, by the time that thing got done, I think it was closer to one in the morning. But it was worth it was worth watching. The two headlines from the two fights that that made noise. And we'll focus more on the main event, but the other one was Raquel Pennington yeah, winning nice. the vacant bank, uh, Bantamweight title. She has been a tough product. I remember watching her on The Ultimate Fighter, and it was a uh, pretty solid fight, although the fans didn't quite get that it was... Uh, I think they wanted to see a more traditional stand-in and banging fight, but it, it ended up being a lot more on the ground, a lot more grappling, but... Uh, I think a well-deserved victory for her um, beating Bueno Silva. What did you think of that that matchup? Did you catch any of the highlights of that? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, you know, I, I personally have just seen the backlash. You know, I watched up until about, I think, the Mike Malote fight against Neil Magny, and then that's kind of when I passed out. But I, so I've seen some of the highlights of the fight, and I've heard what people are saying. I think it is one of those things. I'm not calling the MMA community misogynistic. I do think that in general, women's fights do get a little bit less slack than men's. Call that what you want to call that. Like for purest fans of the sport, they're tuning in and they're why. And I'm talking about like diehard, diehard fans of the sport. They're tuning in. They don't care if it's a woman's fight. They're watching it and they can appreciate, uh, you know, let's just say like, for instance, that fight between Brandon Royval and Alessandre Pantoja, uh, the most recent fight that they had, that was a very ground heavy fight. Right, that was a right. very. There's a lot of grappling exchanges, a lot of scrambles. If if it's the same fight with Raquel Pennington or Raquel, I don't know why I said Raquel. Do we, uh, not us, but does the MMA community talk about that fight the same way? I don't know. It is kind of a thing. I feel like with women's sports, where it's like there is in general less bail given, right? And I'm not saying that it wasn't at times. Like I, I, I personally, I enjoy a more action-packed fight. I can appreciate more technical fights, but I don't know. I, I didn't think it was as bad as everyone was making it out to be, quite honestly. I didn't think it was bad, and I, I thought it was a really good fight, and I thought people that were the critical people of it and the little bit of the, the booing that happened, I honestly don't think... Look, let's just be honest. Some some people people still go to MMA fights and they're hoping for the Nate Diaz style fight where they're up there, they're throwing. They don't want to see anything that hits hits the ground unless it's fast. You know, kind of like the the Ronda Rousey, you know, and compared to the Ronda Rousey era, those Ronda Rousey takedown chokes, you know, were impressive. They got cheers, they were they were got highlights. Those those still get attention 
But when it's like people working, working for submission, working for a move, working to get out, um, and it's kind of slows down, people don't appreciate it as much. I think most of the real MMA purists understand that and they go for it, but we still have that that amount. And then you you factor in the you put in the alcohol factor also, you know, you're drinking, you know, you want to see some action. It's it's in, in much as much in uh, in life people want to see the action, right? They were wrong about that. And then you know the other thing too, and and again you talk about misogyny and everything. You want to see attractive women fight. Not to say these women are attractive, but Raquel Pennington is a uh, a lesbian woman. She's not like not Ronda Rousey. Let's put it that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, that could be another reason why people are harder yeah. on on those type of fights. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I, that and that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't know if it's necessarily. And maybe I'm being too harsh, or maybe I'm being too light on uh, some of these fans. Like maybe it is more misogynistic. Maybe it's not. But I just I do agree. It is kind of it's similar in that I think it's it's the perfect storm of everything coming together because you know what? Now that I think about it, the example that I made with Alessandro Pantoja and Brandon Royval, that was a fight that people look back on fondly, at least again, the people that are in the know, because you're right, like it was fast. There was a lot of high-level scrambles in general, the pace, even though Pantoja was going for submission after submission or takedown after takedown, that was a high-level and high-paced fight. I think. In these types of fights, it does fall into, and this is the same thing I think that kind of poisons the well a lot of times with like submission grappling. People just don't want to watch someone spend, let's just say, two, three minutes, you know, I don't know, getting themselves in the half guard, right? Uh, getting the the opponent's arm seat belted over the neck over time so you can, you know, sit off to the side and create an angle for an arm triangle. Like, Unfortunately, and I'm not, I feel like I also shouldn't say that it, like the fans that don't appreciate that are automatically like, just bleed. Like you, there, I think it has to be a very specific type of fan that will appreciate that. And I find myself even sometimes like I appreciate the technicality of the sport. Even I sometimes will see a fight like that. And I'm like, man, like I just wish that we could see a little bit more action here. Because we also have to, we can't pretend like we're not MMA fans because it's a game of chess with a lot of violence. And I think Joe Rogan said something like that, you know? So right. I, I don't know. I, I think it's important to mention that. And I think it's a little bit of both maybe in that like, yeah, unfortunately, some of the most marketable women in MMA are the ones who are the most attractive, right? And it's uh, it's a sport in which a lot of males watch it and I'm not saying it's right, but that's the unfortunate truth of the situation is that there could be, you could have one of the most technical, I mean, remember what happened to Rose Namajunas, like how quickly the public opinion shifted on her after that Carlos Esparza fight? Well, yeah. And you know, you talk about Royval too, at least the, the Royval said recently that they're playing it safe and Namajunas played it safe and uh, it people turned on her. And and they still do. You're. I don't think it's a wrong thing to say. You know. And here's an interesting stat from the uh, the fight that they threw up there that that uh, got to me is Pennington is the sixth bantamweight championship in history. That's starting from when Ronda Rousey came over. What was that? It must have been way back, right? When did they in induce women into the? Uh, well, it, you know it's crazy it seems like such a long time ago and it really wasn't that long early ago. 2000s I it was 2014 which oh wow not even 2013 
I mean, we're we're not talking that long ago, and we've only had six champions in that division. And Ronda Rousey had a long stretch. Um, Nunez had a pretty Nunez. long stretch. Oh yeah, yeah. Nunez was uh, was uh, Nunez was amazing. And here we go. She's only the sixth champion. So the women's MMA is still growing relatively uh, a little slower than the men's in, in in the sense that people still. You know, it still has their doubters and everything like that, but I, I thought it was a, a fine and uh, appropriate uh, co-main event for the night. I also will say just about Rose in general, you know, Roy Ball was playing it safe. I feel like almost in a different type of way to Rose. Rose was definitely, when she says playing it safe, I feel like there's playing it safe in the way that Roy Ball was, where you're sticking behind the jab and you're, you know, trying to set things up, but you just maybe fail in a certain way to kind of step on the gas and go. Whereas Rose, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that that performance was a performance that she should be proud of because I don't think it was. The only point that I'm really making is that Rose before that has had so many great and dominant performances. I think about that head kick win over Zhang Wei Li. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, that question mark kick, lead kick. And it seems like everyone immediately, that's the only point I make is it just seems like probably sometimes women fighters get a little bit less slack and that everyone like all of a sudden just forgot the caliber of fighter that Rose was and forgot that she also deals with mental issues that might make it a little bit harder for her to pull the trigger in there. I think with her too, is that she had had such a run of spectacular. Think about it this way. It's like the Super Bowl. There's, there's been a stretch here. And, and I think this is always good for the NFL, even though they, they don't think about this. When you, I think it's good that there's a blowout every once in a while because the more you watch everything that's like the Patriots and Falcons, you know, when the Patriots came back from down 28-3, the more you get all these great matchups, you expect them and anything else is a dud. And it, I think that was the effect in regards to Rose Namajunas and that she had – some amazing performances Spoiled she had put on a, a stretch. Yeah. That they want, they wanted to see that. And, uh, they reacted. I, you know, I thought it was a little overkill. It was look I, I, on the same level too. It was a boring matchup. Okay? It really was. And you know what, to be fair, fans gave Covington the same treatment when he really struggled. I mean, that was, that was another stinker of a fight, you know, right. and it didn't help that he, he built up the fight like that, but yeah, there is something that I'm not trying to be the, uh, uh, the Caps Crusader here for you know like Look, oh, it, you know but it, it's true you're you're woke and everybody knows it Cooperman yeah I can't go back now <laughs> I try to I try to be I try to call things for the way they are and it's definitely again I don't know no what, no I got it you gotta be honest gotta be honest yeah I'm not trying like I, I and this is me it's like I don't know if misogyny is is necessarily the word that we should jump to first I think it's something else maybe it's it's Look, women women ha- are getting less slack than men. Uh, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying that because, in in their eyes, even though it has been around longer, but in the UFC, it's 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 only been, uh, you know, it hasn't even. I don't know, maybe a decade, man. That's it. We're talking, you know, uh, ten to twelve years of existing in the UFC, which is going to hit their three hundredth big event, you know, uh, coming up here. But um, let's also talk about, you know, we're talking about, I called you woke, you know, which can be a trigger word depending on who you're talking to. But uh, one person that's not woke is Sean Strickland, who got a lot of attention this week for some uh, 
here's the thing Cra- guys craziness yep. <laughs> yeah I, I personally don't want to bother getting into that part of it i want to stay more to the fight aspect but he defended his championship against Drakus Duplessis from uh, South Africa. Didn't turn out well for Strickland. It was uh, Duplessis's night. He is now the world champion, the new world champion, because of a split decision. But Strickland, to his credit, you know, took the took the loss. It, it seemed like he accepted it. Shook shook Duplessis' hand after all the shenanigans that happened last month. Right? He jumped out of the front row to the back, which never helps the sport. Those things never help the sport with the main people. Um, And then people were also trying to make a big deal about, um, and I'm not diminishing homophobia. I'm not, but if you don't think there's homophobia in every sport and every, this is still the world in every country and everything. There's, there's no magic land. And, and it's, it's a weird situation. I, I know there's some fringe people that would call for Sean Strickland to get his championship taken away from him because of homophobia. Um, I don't know necessarily helps. I don't think that helps anybody, but whatever. I look, Sean Strickland has stupid views and, and he is, he's funny and he's funny. You know what though? Like I see, I'm not trying to be the guy that's just the, uh, the, the, the opposite of whatever the obvious take is. I know that Sean is really heavily favored right now in the media and the public. Um, he's kind of the, I don't know. He's like the breakout star that we have right now. You know, every once in a while, uh, there comes someone that's like, oh, shoot, like this is the MMA fans. Like, we love this guy. We're going to put this guy up on a pedestal. I've seen it happen a couple of times. I never personally understood the hype with Sean. I think he's a really great fighter. And I think he surprised a lot of people, myself included, with that performance over Israel Adesanya. But I don't know. I think it showed a lot of his true colors when he's threatening to stab a guy and then they see each other in person. I saw some people saying like, oh yeah, like any guys that don't understand that the only reason Sean didn't do anything was because Dreykus was with his girl. Like you need to understand guy code. I was like, that's not guy code. I just, I tend to think that if you're in the builder to a fight and you're a guy like Sean Strickland, that it seems like nothing's off limits for you. You could say whatever you want. You could do whatever you want and you urge people to say or do whatever they want. I feel like it's very hypocritical to take a fight build up to the point where you are threatening to stab someone. And he know he, I know he said, oh, yeah, Drickus and I, we like pieced it up over Instagram DM. You guys pieced it up because you threatened to stab him. I, I just, I don't know. I never understood the hype necessarily behind Sean Strickland. I think he's one of those guys like he says he says he wants free speech, but he just wants free speech to be able to say like, dumb shit that a 14 year old would say. you know what i'm saying he's like one of those guys I, I just think this is where the sport hasn't evolved and this is where to be honest with you i don't think it'll you know i know sometimes dana white gets criticism because he's they, he wants it to be more like football or he wants it to more like the other professional sports but when when it comes to fighting you end up uh you still have this hype train that goes back generate you know th- this is stuff that was used to be done in car- carnivals and uh and circuses right and they still have that part of it and it's what makes it fun and i tend to look over some of that some of the craziness you know like covington especially you know to bring covington into it you know it's an act i I don't necessarily think it's all like an act to gain attention to look cool all these guys want to look cool they don't want to only not only be the best they want to look cool they want to be uh hip and they want you to buy 
pay-per-views so they can make more money anyway yeah. I, I i even regret bringing it up a little bit but anyway it, no it was no, no it's, it's not something it's something that needs to be said vic like that i i really couldn't figure out a way to to say that but you put it really well which is like when i when i see sean strickland i see the kid in high school that would say something really offensive because he wanted people to think he was cool and edgy and wanted people to like him that's my personal know, read and he might actually believe all that stuff and that's you know what? That's fine. People are going to have to get over the fact that people there's people with other views. Uh, and sometimes you can agree with them, sometimes whatever. But I, I don't even... You know what the funny thing with Strickland is? I don't even know what he's trying to say sometimes. Like I don't think he knows. Like, I, I think he just starts a sentence and he just says, let me see where this takes me. Yeah. And, and so... I, but at the same time, I'll defend him on one thing. I know what that reporter was trying to do. Oh, that reporter, yeah, that reporter, yeah, 100% the reporter was, yeah. was. He would have never said those things, and and that was the thing. And it, it makes uh, Strickland look bad, but the reporter also has a part in that because he's just trying to, you know, nobody goes to watch Sean Strickland because of they agree with his views on homosexuals. Yeah, what you did you what think he was gonna say? Like, I, it's so funny. It's like you think Sean was gonna be like, well, you know what. I really thought, and I took some time to really reflect on some of the hurtful comp. It's Sean Strick. The guy literally said, and I'm saying this as a Jewish man, this guy has literally said, I used to be a neo-Nazi. I used to hate black people. Like, this is one of the most, in a weird way, honest people, but also one of the most probably volatile people that you're going to run into. Why on earth the, the reporter thought anything? That, I mean, I know, we know he didn't think that Sean Strickland was going to give a thoughtful and and carefully worded response and apology but you know it's it's just but why dumb. are you gonna why are you gonna prod this guy that's not uh that's what i'm saying he'd probably just not knew what a, he's gonna an get. authority to speak on this topic like that and uh you know he's clearly not baking with all the ingredients that's what's happening there when we say like bait from the media like i know we've talked about this quite a bit Vic, off camera but i i don't i think it was Less so than a bait, I think it was one of those things where the the first one of the first things they teach you in journalism school is don't be the story. I think this reporter probably had something personally that he wanted to get off his chest oh, with that, Strickland. That's gone now. These people don't believe that stuff, and I can say that as a journalist, yeah. they, they don't do that. They don't follow their own their own Coons. teachings in here. So beyond all the shenanigans here, Coop, uh, let's also talk about the, let's talk about the fight. Were you surprised it was a split decision? Do you, do you think the Drakus did enough to win the uh, belt there. Like I said, I didn't. I don't. I gotta rewatch the fight because I don't feel comfortable commenting on something, especially with this, that I didn't see the full matchup for. Right, but what I do know is a lot of times with these fights, and this is something I've kind of realized, even even commentating at an amateur level. Like I've had a couple of these fights at my last show I did back in uh, what was that? Up maybe was that? Wow. 21st so that was the 12th that was only nine days ago that feels like a month ago but we had a couple of fights for the title that ended like that and uh man it really sometimes it is it's you know like the schrodinger's cat sometimes right. it could be like schrodinger's championship like there is there sometimes i think this is especially one of those fights where you could really have it go either way and still be correct if everything that i've heard from people that have watched the fight uh, and and with how divisive it is and how close it is, you know, everyone seems to have it three rounds to each fighter. So it's like, you know, someone will say, oh, I think DDP got rounds two, four and five. And then, you know, it, it seems like it was very, very with a swing round in between. 
I think it's one of those things where confidently, I agree with MMA Guru, we can't really call that a robbery. A robbery would be like if there was a clear-cut winner and the other guy lands a big shot, you know, and drops. Let's just say we have, uh, for the upcoming fight, Dustin Poirier versus um, Benoit Saint-Denis. Let's say Dustin Poirier is putting in real good work. Rounds one, two, and three, he's landing constantly. Round four, Benoit uncorks a gigantic kick and drops Poirier. Poirier gets back up to his feet, keeps on boxing, finishes off the fight. And let's say Denise gets rounds four and five and they give Denise rounds four and five. Like, you know, that in itself is something where, you know, maybe there's, but from what I've heard, this fight has been razor, razor thin. So I don't think you could even have robbery in there. I believe in that old adage that, you know, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. And this was one of those where, yeah, I can see you can make the argument for the other side. Dana White thought Sean Strickland won, even though, from what I've read, he has just he has said that um, they're not going to go with the rematch. But it wasn't like you said; it wasn't a robbery. It was just too close, and that's what happens when you don't finish someone or choke someone out. Uh, or finish well, that's finishing too. But that's what happens when you don't finish someone. I, I was not angry at the results. I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was um, decent. Sean Strickland looked worse for wear, but that is what happens when you don't dominate or just straight out take the win right and you know to your point the optics like a lot of times optics i've realized are really big in this sport so sean had that big cut that i think was either caused by a headbutt or an elbow again i'd have to i'm gonna watch the fight back later i might do a youtube video on it as well um just giving my honest thoughts and perspectives but from what i saw it looked like well drickus was wearing the fight as well but sean optically had blood coming down his face Right. He at the time, I feel like was wearing the fight more from pictures that I've seen. So unfortunately, when you have such a razor thin fight like this, the judges. And you could have this conversation about the judges, maybe not being the most steeped or knowledgeable in MMA will go with the person that's easier to identify. That's like human nature. Right. Our brains are designed to make things easier to delegate on. That's why prejudices exist. That's why biases exist. Right. Like. The judges will say, oh, I mean, you know, Strickland's where uh, was landing a nice jab and a nice teeth kick, but uh, Drickus was backing up and firing off body kicks and, and he cut Sean Strickland open with a big elbow. And even though it was one elbow, look at Sean Strickland's face, boom, you know, Drickus got that round. So honestly, I mean, optics do play a, a, a big part in fights and it, it, it might just be a, a judge thing. Like maybe we just have to get more well-informed or well-educated judges that actually can break down a fight more critically than they are now. I'm not saying that they're terrible, but it might just be that, hey, we have to kind of dot our I's and, and what is it? P, P, R's, P's, our Q's? Dot our I's, yeah. cross our T's? Cross the like T's. That. You got it right there. Yeah. Dot the I's, cross the T's. And watch our P's and Q's. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I want to ask you a question here because you have a, a lot more expertise than me on boxing. I, I tend to be lean more on the MMA side of things. But um, Anthony Joshua, Francis Ngannou, is going to happen. It was announced uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. It's going to happen March 9th in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. There's a few things here. Let's, so let's unpack this a little bit. So Ngannou signed up with the PFL, uh, Professional Fighters League, okay? PFL just merged with Bell- Bellator. They're working all that. It's uh, kind of a weird thing. Bellator... Technically, he's going to live on in uh, Europe, I believe. And 
they're going to at some point merge everyone. My belief in how that that factors in is that the PFL did not have the competition in the heavyweight division for Francis Ngannou. No, they didn't. So, so that's why I think they bought Bellator. One of the reasons because Bellator has more heavyweights that are. It's a really you know, smart move. I, I don't know if you saw the card that they're doing the the champions versus champions card that it, they have coming up. For people like me, it looks cool, but Bellator <laughs> has become so irrelevant. <laughs> I, I hate to say that because I'm, you know, we talked we talked about our history and what we do here, and you do work for, um, you know, smaller promotions. I remember going to Connecticut. Uh, talking a friend into driving me to Connecticut and going to Atlantic City with Luis J. Gomez and watching Bellator events, these small Bellator events with Kurt Pellegrino, um, talking to the owner of the promotion at the time. This is before they sold out to Paramount. Um, Paramount, and for some reason his name eludes me, but I've spoken to him in numerous times. He's kind of out of the whole MMA loop now. Doing these small cards, and and I liked Bellator, and I really wanted to get behind Bellator, but Bellator never really elevated. The PFL has elevated. The PFL is on ESPN. Um, I think it benefits from the fact that the UFC is on ESPN because people think it's all the same, so the ratings go up. Uh, I like the tournament concept. I like, you know, the the winner gets a big billion dollars. It's, it's, it's a good thing. But they weren't ready for Ngannou. And and I think they knew that. And I think the plan was now that they were going to let him go boxing. My biggest concern with Nganu, because Anthony Joshua is a legit boxer, and I think my biggest concern regarding Francis Nganu is that his fight with Tyson Fury and the fact that he caught him by surprise has given him this false sense of he's a real legitimate boxer now this is a man who's pushing i I believe he's in his late 30s now this is a guy who's kind of uh, not in the latter end of his career because careers are different now and in mma especially you know it feels like the late 30s early 40s a lot of these people have runs but my concern is that he doesn't have a surprise factor with anthony joshua anymore that that he would have you know had had this been his first fight it's not gonna. It probably is not gonna turn out like it did with Tyson Fury, and he's starting to get in his head and think I'm a real boxer, and I think he has a lot of skills, and I think he worked with Mike Tyson. He had a lot of had a lot of great. Um, he didn't take it half. He didn't. He wasn't half assed about it. He took it very seriously. Is this a mistake? Is what I'm trying to say. I see. I maybe I'm just too much of an optimist, but I while I don't give him much of a chance versus AJ, and I don't think like I had people talk to me in my in the comments of my video about oh oh you're not giving you know you're not giving Ngannou enough credit. Tyson did train. You know I think in this situation, it's not. I saw a lot of people calling me a hater too. It's not a hater thing to say that Ninganu has to go out and prove to us just because he boxed and fought very well against Tyson Fury. That was still a close fight. People forget about that. Just because he knocked Fury down does not necessarily mean that he is automatically going to be against the best of the best in terms of heavyweight boxing if he's just going to be able to be competitive with anyone. And factor factor this in, by the way. Yeah. Was Tyson Fury taking that fight that seriously? Well, that's everyone says he was. I, I mean... 
I didn't think he Who's looked. Say? I, you know, I know he's always been a little big in the in the on the uh, in the midsection. Yeah, but in the he, midsection, he, just... but he didn't look in great shape. I don't think he took it as seriously as people think he did. Right, and and that's my whole thing is I. So I don't necessarily. I think we should pump the brakes a little bit on just throwing Ninganu in there with the likes of AJ, with the likes of an Alexander Usage, like especially considering the fact that if Ninganu manages to knock AJ out, that's I mean, you have to think about it from a boxing perspective. We kind of tend to think about it from an MMA perspective because we're two MMA guys. Like, think about what that would do to the sport of boxing. If you just have some MMA guy that hits really hard come in and he's taking out the top-level talent and and competition in the heavyweight division, I do think we need to kind of pump the brakes on that. Although I will say the PFL signing Francis Ngannou was one of the smartest things they could have ever done. I think... If I was going to put myself in their shoes, it's a do this first and ask for acceptance or do damage control later type of deal, right? Where they get Francis Ngannou, they then say, okay, we've got Francis Ngannou. Instead of saying, okay, how do we build up our heavyweight competition? How do we build up our homegrown talent? Why don't we go out? Why don't we get Francis Ngannou? Why don't we let him box, build up his star? They, They probably banked off of the fact that he was going to get a little bit of publicity because he is such a heavy boxer or excuse me, a heavy hitter to go out into boxing, build his star power up. They say, Hey, while Francis Ngannou is boxing, now we're going to go out and we're going to get Bellator. We're going to acquire Bellator. We're going to have them go head to head in a championship versus championship card. They don't have the biggest names, but it's a help, right? Because do I want to see Ryan Bader versus Francis Ngannou? I, I wouldn't not watch it. You know what I wouldn't right. watch is Francis Ngannou versus some random unknown PFL heavyweight that I've never heard of a day in my life. So no. I think in terms of having to think on the fly, especially in acquiring Jake Paul too, where he's going to competing in, be competing in MMA, I think that's the reason we're seeing PFL coming up so well is that I think it's, uh, I forget his name, Dan Dan Donner or something like that, Dan Donker. I think he's just been making a lot of really, really solid on-the-fly decisions. And that's what we're seeing, man. Like, I, to me, this is, it's making the best out of a maybe suboptimal situa- situation where the PFL has bought all this old talent from the UFC, has a few names on their roster now, Derek Brunson, uh, you know, like and, and they can they're starting to build up with a a product that can compete with the UFC on a big scale. So I I personally like what they're uh, what they're doing over there. And and by the way, it's because uh, I was curious. I was like, it's Dan Donner. It's Don Davis. But Don uh, Danner Davis. Yeah. Don Danzler. Like, but it's but it's spelled weird. It's like two. It's, it's Don two with ends, two right? ends. Yeah, yeah, two ends, and then what you're gonna do? Uh, but. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with this stuff. Um, I find it interesting they're still going to keep the Bellator brand open in uh, in England. This is kind of like a lower level. Remember when um, the UFC bought Pride, and then they re- they were originally the concept was they were going to keep Pride going as a separate promotion, but then it it ended up it wasn't going to happen. There was apparently some Yakuza stuff in the background, <laughs> so the numbers were not going to work, and they. Uh, they did the merger and you know they get to keep the intellectual property so uh but i'm i'm curious to see how they make this work at the pfl i believe they re-signed with espn to extend their relationship so i i mean the future is looking bright for them remember when they were the world series of fighting the mma world series of fighting 
Yeah, and even back then they had they had a big home ground. I mean, that's the other thing too. Is like I'm not saying that they can't come out with any really, really. I mean, I think they also signed Cedric Dumbe, if I'm not mistaken, from Glory K. So they have like they're making good moves, and we've seen in the past like Justin Gaethje was a World Series of Fighting standout. People right. forget about that. Like he got to the UFC from there, and and look where he is at now. So yeah, I I, uh, I think PFL will be. I don't know if they're necessarily ever going to be able to compete with the UFC or did I say the P- yeah, PFL is going to be able to compete with the UFC, but they're definitely building themselves up to be a very viable option for fans that want to watch the sport. We got to talk. We'll do it another time, but we should get into in depth, but I want to, I want to talk about one championship and some of the weird things that they're doing and, uh, and their business model. So maybe that can be something we can do for a later episode. There. Yeah, and calling out the UFC. I mean, to me that, that just seemed like when one championships owner called out, the UFC, it just that screamed cry of attention for me because I I actually like one. I I feel like their production quality is really good and the quality of fights they put out is is fantastic, but their market is not in the U.S. Oh, and they've yeah, tried sure. to to bridge it over, but you know I just it, I thought it was a weird thing to take pot shots at it. You know, it'd be the same thing as like the UFC taking pot shots at one. It's almost to me they're like in such different worlds even though I'll watch a one card from time to time that it doesn't, it really, it doesn't make any sense to try and involve yourself. If you're the UFC with one, or if you're one with the UFC, you know, we wish them luck. We'll get more in depth in that next time, but Coop, uh, I think this is a good first episode that we've done here. And I look forward to doing more episodes with you in the future. Vic, it's been awesome, man. Uh, I think we should probably do this weekly, right? I mean, I feel like that's, you do it weekly yeah. on Sundays, maybe some live shows, something like that down the line. Let's do it weekly. But for uh, for Jacob Cooperman, I'm Vic Garcia, and we're going to be doing this weekly. And see uh, you guys in the next one. Exactly. <laughs>